Hello and welcome to Against Austin, an Against Me podcast. I am Dwayne, and I'm here with Austin. What's going on? Howdy! You know, just just chilling on a Friday, talking about Against Me with you. you. Love to say you love to say what day it is. Do I do I say that a lot? <laughs> we have talked about this before. Where you'll be like, oh, yeah, man, it's Friday. It's like, well, it's not necessarily. It's right. Always- well, as we're recording this, anyway, yeah, I have a terrible memory. The, the odds it'll be Friday when someone's listening to this are, are very are low because probably- you're really good about turning these things around and putting them online. So. Yeah, well, I try. Because I, I just, once once we've recorded it, it, like, it drives me nuts for it not to be out. Right. Every day that goes by, I'm just like, well, who cares now? It's like, it's old. Well, you know, I, in my like, mind, in my mind, by the time it comes out, people are over it. They haven't heard it yet. They don't they heard it. They don't even know. They what don't know to, about. They don't know to be bored of it yet. But in my mind, they're just like, "Well, we're bored of this. How long is that going?" <laughs> no, it's because so, you're bored of it. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, you won't be heard anymore. I've but gotten, I, 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 I appreciate that about you. I think that's a really redeeming quality. Is that you're? I, you know, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm being serious. Well, thank you, thank you. I, I've gotten better about not doing so many re-listens. Uh, I uh, I talked about like I wasn't well in the bonus content from last time. I re-edited the last episode after it came out and tagged some stuff on at the end. And uh, one of the things I talked about in that one was not being super happy with some of the stuff from the Murder Brian episode, even though I I really like that episode. But uh, one thing I really learned from him in that episode was just to like. Just let some things go. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like right. most people aren't going to notice the little mistakes. You notice but, uh, it. No one else does. Oh yeah, I went back and fixed like ten things, and I can't imagine. Like it took me like a week. So most people had probably already listened and are not going to go back and listen to this new version of it. Because I actually told people like, well, if you've already listened to it, there's just don't go back. But. Uh, <laughs> But, but to me, I was just sitting there like, this is wrong. This is no Austin. I've edited this part out of what Austin said, and now this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I have to go fix it. So. <clears throat> yeah, it's, you know, I think that's that's one thing that you learn doing this is that not everything is so precious, right? That you kind of have to just, just let it out there. I mean, you, cause you just don't know. I mean, the only people that really it affects are you and me. And I don't really, I kind of, at this point, I'm like, oh, it's out there, whatever I said it, I got to own it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I do st- stress about things I say. And sometimes I go like, Oh, you're probably too honest there. You probably should have, you kept that some of that to yourself, but uh, you know, put a lid on that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, this is a big show, Austin. We're finally back to a real episode about a real finally. album, uh, and a lot has happened with the band since um, the last time that we talked about a new studio album. Which is all the way back on episode six. You you really you didn't prepare me for this when we started doing. <laughs> you didn't tell me that there was going to be like a five episode drought with no new studio well, album. Well, it wasn't the plan. The plan was to do it things in a slightly different order, but I wanted to schedule things with Brian, whatever worked the easiest for him, and so when he. I wasn't going to say to him, 
do you want to come on and talk about a live album or some demos? You know what I mean? Like, I was like, well, the first available real album we have is New Wave. Is that okay? And he was like, yep, that's fine. So I kind of changed the order of things around. It, it would have been slightly less uh, painful for you if we had done things in the original. Order. I mean, it's all right. We've, we've emerged triumphantly uh, yeah. from yeah. from that. Yes. And when we complete this episode, there will only be five episodes to go. All right, Austin, but before we get into Against Me, I did, in fact, for people who were wondering, make it to the My Chemical Romance concert, uh, although just barely. Uh, I didn't I didn't read about a COVID outbreak either as a result of the show. So like, <laughs> kudos on that. <laughs> I will say I was I was not sick. I, I was like I was not coughing or sneezing. But I really did not have my energy back. Yeah. Uh, I had just gone back to work for a couple of days, and that really took a lot more out of me than I was expecting. And so um, come this night that this show was on, I was like not at 100%, but I was feeling pretty good because I was starting to get my uh, taste and smell back on that day. And so I was like, well, at least I'll be able to go somewhere and eat, you know, before the show and, and taste it and uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> kind of uh, enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah. I got there very late. Uh, but that was your plan, I, right? Because you didn't want to see the that openers. Was, that was my plan initially. I wasn't interested in either of the openers. I'm not going to slam them on the podcast. I think that's rude. That's okay. But uh, <laughs> I wasn't super interested in them. Um but I just knew, like, there's no way I'm ready to be in this arena for five hours. Yeah. Like, two's going to be pushing it. <laughs> but, no, I, I trust me, I understand. So I got there, and uh, I went and bought my T-shirt. Uh, and then I went and got a drink and some popcorn. And I got to my seat, like, literally f- for the second opening band to go, like, all right, well, thanks. And I was like, ah, perfect. That was right about timing. The t- <laughs> yeah. Right about the time I finished my popcorn and everything, they were uh, they were coming on. So uh timed that pretty good. It was interesting because it was very, like, um, it's very dark, like, throughout the whole arena. I've been to that arena several times for wrestling, but never for a concert. And when you go to wrestling, it's always really bright and there's big right. lights everywhere. And it's like, even in the concourse of the arena, they had like the lights dimmed. <laughs> I don't know if they were going for like a mood or something, yeah. but uh, ambiance. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange. Uh, it was weird too, because like I said, I've, I've probably been there five or six times for wrestling, mostly WWE, but AW uh, at least once. And, um, Definitely a different crowd at the My Chemical Romance concert. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but also, too, like way more people. Like I've been to this arena like five or six times. There's a whole third level that I did not even know existed because that's it's never always been tarped. Open. Yeah, that's <laughs> never been opened up for Raw or whatever. You know, what I mean? so, like uh, I was like, oh wow, there's actually like this arena is actually way bigger than I thought. Like, uh, <laughs> So I was in the 100 section, but I was literally in the second to last row. So I was pretty far back. Uh, but 
I mean, the sound was good. I could hear pretty good. Everything sounded very clear and everything. But I had to say, like, it wasn't as loud as I was expecting. Like, I thought in a big arena like that, it was going to be like super loud. It wasn't like crazy loud. It was good though. They sounded good. Gerard Way like sounded really good. Like he's a great singer. And, like he really sounded good live. I've never seen him before, so I was very excited. But uh, he sounded good. Um, they played a really interesting set list. So one thing they've been doing on this tour is they're playing a different set list every show, uh, which I like and I understand because right. That way, their yeah. their mega fans can buy tickets every night that they play. Yeah, well, I I really think it's more that they have not played for a long time. They finally reunited, right? I mean, right as COVID hit, uh, and so they, I think they're just wanting to have fun and and you know, um, like uh, like they played their main hits. You know what I mean? There's, right. there's there's six or seven songs that it's like, well, they got to play this. And they did. But they also played, I mean, some pretty obscure songs. Like uh, one of the songs they've been playing a lot on this tour is uh, Bury Me in Black, which is a really good song. But it's it was only ever available as like a demo on like an obscure compilation. Like uh, that's fun, though. That's fan service. Yeah, it's cool. It's it, it and like. You know, in a big arena like that, it's going to be a mix of sort of uh, people who are just kind of casually into the band and people right. who know like all the stuff. I'm sort of in the middle of that. I like they didn't play any songs I didn't recognize, but like uh, one of the songs they played was "Burn Bright," uh, and that's sort of another kind of obscure non-album track. And they said that it was the first time they'd ever played it. Uh, which was cool. That was pretty cool to be there for that. But like people didn't really know it. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. When they and, and also it's like when they were like, here's a song we've never played before. And then it wasn't a new song. It was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, like, and that's that's the, you gotta find the balance, right? Because that's always yeah. the complaint is that like you pay, you know, an exorbitant amount of money. You go see this musician, and all they do is play their music off of their new album, right? They don't right. play any of this stuff that made you a fan. Yeah, um, I've I've heard, and this could be just internet lore of people in a crowd after that happens going like four hundred bucks, four hundred bucks, like chanting how much they paid for a ticket. Yeah, I will say this: I was shocked at how expensive everything was. Yeah, like I I. I had not been to a concert in a in a major arena since I was a small child, and my mom took me to see Garth Brooks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm shameless. So, so I did not. I mean, I knew the tickets were very expensive. I knew that when you go to wrestling, things are not super cheap. But I was like, oh wow, it's very expensive to go to these things. And uh, <laughs> so I think like. I think if I saw this show in front of 500 people, I'd be going like, this was the best concert I've ever right. had in my life. Right. You know what I mean? But like, I was so far away from the stage that it almost just felt like I was watching something on TV or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, that's kind of why I don't enjoy 
like big arena shows anymore. I, I just I'd rather go to a small place. I'd honestly rather see someone I didn't know in a small venue than go to like a huge place and see someone I'll, that I was. A I'll fan tell you of. this. I'll tell you this right now, Austin. Didn't pet a single dog. <laughs> Not one dog. So deal breaker. So I mean, it's gonna be hard to top that. It's gonna be hard to top the Apes of the State show where I met a dog. That's that's a tough one. But like, okay, so I know it's. But I did I did talk to Gerard way after the show, and I was like, I don't think you guys are quite as good at Thursday, but you're pretty good. You would never, never <laughs> in a million fucking years, no way. But I mean, yeah, it, it's it's just it's different. Those those I understand the the economics behind doing a an arena show, but I just like, don't. What can they do? Game. They can't play a club, right? You know what I mean, exactly. They can't this, do that. This anymore. arena was sold out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so they got to do what they got to do. But yeah, it's definitely a uh, a different experience. I really don't want to come off as like I'm complaining, though, because I did really like the show. I thought it was really good. Like, uh, I was really impressed with how good they were and how uh, good they sounded and everything. And, and it was cool to hear, like, some rare songs and songs you weren't expecting. I did, I, like, I didn't go in with any expectation other than, like, I want to hear fucking Helena. I want to hear Black Parade. Like, and I want to hear I'm not okay. Uh, other than that, like, I'm not too picky. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I was happy with what they played. And it's, but, wait, uh, so is it the, now I could be wrong. This is showing my ignorance, but that's what this show is all about. It, it's, it's Gerard Way and it's his brother? Yeah, his brother's one of the members. He's, okay. uh, I believe, the guitar player. Because I actually know Gerard way better as the writer of Umbrella Academy, the comic book, than I do my Chemical Romance. There's a uh, there's a local comic convention that I uh, haven't been able to get out to, but uh, he's been there a couple of times. Yeah, I really wanted to go and meet him, but it just hasn't worked out. But uh, hopefully, maybe in uh, another few years, they'll do another one and he'll be there. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know what I would say to him. All right, Austin, I don't want to spend like a super long time on the concert, but I did want to talk about it because uh had these tickets for a very long time. I wish it had been like a week later than it was. I think I really would have been. Uh, You'd have had a better time. Better time. The, the other thing was, is I was very high up, right? So like people were into it, but they didn't want to go too crazy because like you don't want to fall down the stairs you know what you know what I mean? like, uh, yeah yeah that's a long way down if you were self-preservation to, if you were to trip so it's mostly just sort of uh yeah mostly people just sort of singing to themselves <laughs> but uh yeah but but everyone was standing the whole time which which i was not prepared for right because i'm thinking well because i'm i've only been to this arena for wrestling right right when so it's you, wrestling you sit, you sit yeah. the fuck down yep. they're not tolerating it like the security guard will be all fucking over. You can stand up for the entrance, you know what I mean? Right. But when they they're wrestling, you sit the fuck down. So I was like, <laughs> well, maybe it'll be the same here, you know. No, nope. like no, as soon as they started playing, everybody stood up and I was like, right. Because uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can't sit down, I'm not gonna be able to see. You know what I mean? Right. I'm, right, oh, I'm, absolutely. Already, I'm already way up there. So uh but yeah, but it was very cool. It was very fun. But I just like, I wasn't a hundred percent up for it <laughs> in the way that uh, 
I would have liked to have been, but which uh, is understandable. I mean, yeah, but at least you made it. You didn't let that expensive ticket go to waste. Yeah, I was really worried. I was like, well, if I'm coughing, I can't go to this. Yeah, I was worried for you. And like, I'm like, oh no, (laughs) like, uh, (laughs) but it ended up okay. Uh, Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that's it because we got a lot to get into with this album. Austin, but is, is is there anything going on with you? Anything that you want to talk about? It's always yeah. stuff that I'm doing. We never talk about like what you've been up to. Yeah, but like I, I'm I'm less a lot less interesting than you. Um, <laughs> well, so. I'm sorry for you then. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's by design. Uh, no, I just had a I had a week off from work last week, and I didn't go anywhere, which actually turned out to be really nice. I just got stuff done around the house which sounds like really domestic and boring but actually made me feel a whole hell of a lot better for just getting stuff done um sure yeah i just that was that's been my week so just relaxing so i'm very i'm feeling pretty good going into this and just been yeah taking it easy just rolling through but yeah nothing nothing too exciting all right i got some stuff coming up actually i don't know when the next time we record but there's a wrestling show in brooklyn that i'm gonna go check out um i'm bringing some co-workers because you know Dwayne gives me shit about how much i love my co-workers <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna i pop. i have i have a co-worker who talks to me about laura but i just cannot bring myself to tell him about the podcast i mean of <clears> these <throat> of these co-workers only one of them listens to my podcast I think she listens to one. She might listen to this too. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so the rest of them, they just want to go see wrestling with me because that's interesting and they've never done it before. So I'm like, I love bringing, you know, people who have never seen wrestling live to go see wrestling live. And this is in like a parking lot and they've got a taco truck that's showing up. And I was like, wrestling outside in a taco truck, man, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, Let's go do it. So I'm going to go do that. Well, Austin, before we get into album proper a lot has been going on with the band since new wave uh the most notable thing is that their former manager is suing them for 1.2 million dollars nice (laughs) uh which which laura said was more money than everybody in the band had combined if they all (laughs) sold everything they owned that's not surprising (laughs) so uh that was not pleasant. Uh, basically, they really did not like their manager. Uh, they never got along with him. Basically, they fired this guy because they got fed up with him. They all hated him. Uh, but, you know, the guy did was like, look, buddy, I got a contract that says I'm owed this much money. And uh, the label is not exactly uh, super happy with the band after New Wave didn't go like as well as they had expected. Uh, the lawsuit does eventually get settled, but it takes two years. The other thing that has happened is Heather and Laura have a baby. Oh, wow. Yeah, they have a baby girl. And um, during the pregnancy, Laura talks about her dysphoria getting really bad. Uh, that she had stopped dressing as a woman privately. Uh, but when the pregnancy got really going she started sort of reevaluating things and 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 uh 
and coming to grips with the fact that uh, she was not going to be able to run away from that part of her life, that she was going to have to accept the fact that she was trans and work her way up to coming out eventually. Right. But uh, so that's weighing heavy on her as well as the lawsuit. And that's a lot. That's a lot. I, I also think, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I also, I, I just think that there's something about having a kid that really makes you reevaluate a lot of things. Absolutely. You know, she, like, she talked about being very excited about being a parent, but also like extremely aware of the responsibilities that come along with that and realizing that maybe she is not ready uh, to deal with those kind of things. I'm not sure that any parent is really ready though, either. That's sure. Like, like sure. I, 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 enough of my friends have become parents and they're just like, they're like, I don't, we don't know what we're doing. And then I look at my parents and I'm like, my parents probably didn't know either. Cause they were 23 I, years old. I and, definitely know my parents. Did. Um, yeah. I, I love them both very much these days, but uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they tried their best, but yeah, that's it. That's uh, That's everybody. <laughs> The other thing that has happened is Warren is gone from the band. Um, the split was amicable, but pretty unpleasant. Yeah. Like everybody kind of agreed he needed to go, but it's still like they weren't happy about it. It had been the core four since the As the Eternal Cowboy days. Like, right. re- and really longer than that, really after the first tour. Once Axel came out, it's the, it's those four guys, and um, essentially what happened is uh, they get slapped with this lawsuit. Warren moves back to Florida, sets up a Mexican restaurant, and uh, it's kind of clear that that is going to be his top priority, and so the band is just like. All right, enough of this guy. <laughs> Laura Laura talked about never really being happy with his playing, that she felt like he uh, kind of held the band back a little bit, that Andrew and uh, James were better musicians and that Warren couldn't necessarily always keep up. Uh, but, you know, he's their friend. You don't want to just right. kick this guy. Out of the band, but that's uh, a tough part about being in a band. I think, yeah, it's absolutely. Like, it's a job, but you're also friends because you spend so much time together on the road, right? But uh, with him being fired, I found that interesting because the story I'd always heard was that he opened up a Mexican restaurant and then quit. But what Laura says is that they told him he could say he quit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, you know everybody could Safe come face. away from it looking yeah. better. <laughs> and uh, and so he he sort of admitted that he really wasn't committed to the band anymore. Um, and so he also, <laughs> once he left the band, <laughs> started sending them correspondence saying that, like, well, I don't think I should be involved in this lawsuit anymore. Which they were not pleased with, but... Um, getting away on that technical well technically i'm not in the band anymore so with all that going on laura feels like we need to make a hit we need to make a mainstream album that sells a lot of copies because we need to make some money because we're getting sued i'm having a baby 
the label's not happy with us. The band's falling apart. Like <laughs> we gotta do, we gotta do something here. This is the hail Mary. Yeah. So that said, we are talking about the album White Crosses, and on this album, Austin against me is Laura Jane Grace on vocals, James Bowman on guitar, Andrew Seward on bass, and, and George Rebelo on drums. He was the drummer for the band Hot Water Music. They were on a bit of hiatus, so he joined up with Against Me. His involvement is pretty short-term. Uh, he did not really seem like he wanted to be there. Uh, <laughs> he did not really seem like he was super interested in being in the band. It was just like, yep, you guys need a drummer. I'm willing to do it. You know, and so um, hired gun. Right. Fine. And they said that that's absolutely how he how he behaved and how they all felt about it. Like, right. So it's just there to do a job, which they said was was a pretty tough adjustment because even when they were at each other's throats and fighting, like Warren was still their good friend. And, you know, uh, they all felt like a core group. And George pretty much from the start was like very clear like i'm not part of the band i'm just here to play the drums and right, get my money right. uh one of the stories laura told in her book was that um when they uh when they would play we laugh at danger and break all the rules warren would stand up from his drum kit and clap along and get everybody like really amped and clapping and uh, when they told him about that, he was just like, yeah, I'm not doing that hand clapping shit in a way. He's like, I'm just not doing that. They're just like, all right. And uh, so he did, he did not stick around very long. Uh, Warren is also credited with some drums on a few of the songs. So he may have been in there uh, for some of the recordings before he actually split. But uh, from what I can tell, George is the main drummer here. Um, okay. So the biggest issue with this album from Laura's perspective was there was a lot of remixing and overdubs that the band and Butch Vig was not happy with. Uh, I forgot to mention that earlier, but Butch Vig is uh, the producer. Once again. again. So, yep. um, in fact, they were specifically not happy with Butch's production and they paid someone a large chunk of money to basically go in and uh, remix the album over Butch's uh, original mixes of the song, which Laura said, interesting. Laura said he did not really mind because to him, it's just a job and that's how it goes. But Laura talked about like being really upset about that. And, uh, and just thinking like it's not even our album anymore like they just hacked it to death and she's like one of the things that uh really irritated her was like a lot of these songs like we can't recreate live because they're so heavily dubbed and, right and they've added all these instruments and things and she's like i don't know how to play this stuff live and uh so i that's i feel like that's also like a product of being on a bigger label right absolutely you, there was so much anticipation you went in you did an album not 100 percent the way you wanted to do it but mostly the way you wanted to do it right you had a lot of creative control it didn't hit so now the record label's going 
we know better than you what you need to do and they take over yes and she said that executives and and people from the label are constantly coming in and suggesting lyrics to her and oh. melodies and uh other she awful. said that was extremely frustrating um but she but the label's really not happy with them uh and and laura does say that you know a lot of that is her her own fault her behavior wasn't uh the best at the time she could be pretty erratic uh with everything that was going on in her life but uh the album came out and it peaked at number 34 on the billboard charts which was very good but it wasn't what everybody wanted the label wanted a hit laura wanted a hit and this was yet again another moderately successful album that was fairly well received by critics but just did not break over into that radio play outside right. of your LAs and your New Yorks and that kind of deal. But um, like I said, the critics were generally pretty favorable to the album, but I would not say they were over the top. When New Wave came out, you saw a lot of critics who had never heard this band before going like, this is so incredible and groundbreaking. And, and uh, with this album, a lot of people were more like, yeah, this is good. The phrase arena rock came up a lot. People I can see that. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I think that is more what Laura was going for. You know, she, she's trying to make an album that would theoretically be played in a big arena, you know, because uh, that's the goal here is to make a big album and tour big arenas and did it end up that way but that's what the hope was <laughs> um so the album comes out and when it's not a hit right away the band has a meeting and they decide that we are just going to end it here that it's over we're not going to break through we're not going to have this big big hit and we're all kind of tired of being in this band Let's just call it a day. So they all agree. Uh, they talk to the label and the label says, okay, we can cancel your tours that you have coming up, but you have three shows scheduled for radio stations and you really need to play these shows. If you skip out on these shows and then you decide to come back to music you're probably going to be really screwed yeah. because uh, we've got contracts and we're expecting you to be there. So they said, okay, they talked about it. They agree. We'll play these three shows. We'll find a new drummer. They found a new drummer in uh, Jay Weinberg, who was the son of Max Weinberg from Bruce Springsteen oh, band. Yes. Very cool. And uh, we're not going to get, too well we're not going to get too in-depth on jay's time with the band in this episode we will talk about him uh on a future episode but it was short-lived as well but at this time they were very excited to have him in the band because he was a good 10 years younger than everybody he was a big fan of the band and he brought a lot of energy so they were very excited to tell the label we are back with the new lineup and we are ready to play these shows and they said great thank you so much by the way you are fired uh, we are not going to sign you to a new contract. <laughs> oh, I, didn't know, I didn't know any of this. Back yes. So um, that is where we are at. Uh, what 
do you want to say about any of that? Because I feel like I've been talking for a very long time. I, I mean, I think it's really interesting. And I think that a listen to this, for me, you could definitely feel the record label fingerprints on this album. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> like without even knowing that you're like, mm, something's different. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, not their normal sound. One last story that I will tell before we get into our thoughts about the album. One bright spot Laura talked about was they played the Jay Leno show. And uh, she said it did not go very well. Uh, they played I Was a Teenage Anarchist once, and the Leno people were not happy with the um, with the lighting or something. And they were like, re-record it. So they did a second take that did not go very well, but uh, that's the take they ended up using. And so everybody was pretty upset with that. And uh, But she said the one bright spot, and, and this was just a great mental image. I had to text Austin about this uh, beforehand and tell him about this because it just made me laugh thinking about this. Was She gave a copy of White Crosses to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yep. And, he, <laughs> and she said that as they were leaving, he was blasting. I was a teenage anarchist out of his uh, giant SUV and nodding along. And I, I just... The, the mental image of a rock listening to an against me album is just incredible. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> it really, I like that a lot. You think, you think the rock uh, <laughs> went into that back catalog at all? No, not a chance. <laughs> no. Uh, that, that's the thing that I've always heard about the rock though, is that he is, he is a very personable guy, like on a one-to-one -one level. Yeah. I've heard that he's, he's also got this freakish talent that he, never forgets who people are you know like he meets yeah. you and he learns something about you and you could go a year two years three years and if he meets you again he remembers exactly who you are and everything about that conversation which is wild that's scary i can't even remember what i fucking recorded on this podcast two weeks ago <laughs> believe me i know and, uh, <laughs> so this this would have been around uh 2011 so right before like the absolute peak of uh his movie career, but still, he's a major celebrity at this time. Oh, yeah. The fact that he, the fact that they handed him a CD and he didn't just immediately throw it in the trash is, is kind of incredible. But that he was listening to it as he was leaving is just so funny to me. That's pretty cool. Rock just, I just imagined her and the her and the Rock sitting down and him going like, "Yeah, I tell you, this, this anarcho punk scene is just not what it used to be," you know, like. <laughs> Let's let you start, uh, because I have a lot of thoughts about it. What Before we get into any of the songs, we are going to yeah. talk about all 14 songs here. Uh, but what did you make overall of this album? I, okay, so I think it's pretty safe to say that at this point, Against Me are no longer a folk punk band. I think that's fair. I, think that's I do. I think, <laughs> I, I think it was a little bit too slick so the first time i listened to it i was like what the fuck is this i really i was i was really thrown off i almost texted you and said what happened like <laughs> this is such a different album for them and it just feels like a step a step in a very strange direction um it, it just it like is very much like 
the rough edges were all, you know, buffed out, but almost to a weird unsettling, like this isn't the same band degree. However, the more I listened to this album, the more I liked it. It was, it was definitely a grower in it. it just like at the first listen, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is really jarring. But as I listened to it more, I was like, I like this. This has got some real, this has got some really good fun songs. I mean, they're not, I don't know. They're not against me songs that I'm used to, but they're good songs. You know I mean? Like they're just, they're, they're, there's some anthems on there. There's definitely the arena rock vibe for it. Reminded me of a couple other bands that I really dig. So yeah, I was along for it, but really that first listen, I was like, Oh, this is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's pretty much along the lines of my thoughts. I mean, when this came out at the time, it was like, oh wow, this is really different, far away from even new wave. And 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 you're right, and Laura's absolutely right. It, it, the production is too much. It's like it 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 does feel almost too clean in a way that is a little bit distracting. This is one of my favorite albums by them. I really like this one a lot. And revisiting it for this podcast, I really appreciate it a lot more than I did even 10 years ago. As you can imagine, and we'll get into it more with uh, one song in particular, um, (laughs) there was a pretty intense reaction to this. Oh, I can only imagine. And I think I know what song you're talking about, too. People were not pleased with uh, a couple of the songs here and just the overall direction. Um, To me, I had already had my I can't believe they're doing this moment. So by the time this album came out, I was over all that. I had gotten out of my... uh, very short i talked about on the new wave episode of, of going like well i'll never listen to that for right a couple months and then my friend just been like you're being an idiot but uh so so by the time this album came out i just love this band so much that i was just open to anything right. but um but definitely that first those first couple of listens i was like oh this wasn't really what i wanted but uh but the more you listen to it like the songs really have a lot of depth here and uh, and and there's a lot of variety in uh, in the lyrical content and also just the the way the songs sound, but it's still uh, the one thing against me always does is make an album that flows well and feels like a coherent uh, piece of art. So and I, I think they did that again here. Um, the last four songs uh, that we're going to do are bonus tracks, but I think if you're talking about the ten core songs, yeah. White Crosses to Bamboo Bones. This is a really, really solid album. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I know uh, some people are were not too pleased with it. I know Dalton uh, really did not like this one he was telling me. <laughs> but I but I really, I genuinely uh, like this album a lot. But it obviously is not without its flaws that I think most of which is out of the band's hands. But Austin... Let's get into it. It has been a long time since we have done this. We are going to go song by song for every song on this album. And the first song that we're going to talk about is the title track. And it is called White Crosses 
And the first thing I'm going to do is ask you if you know what this song is about. I cheated. Okay. Well, that's fine. And I do. I I looked it up. And actually, you telling me, and I didn't realize that uh, Laura and her wife had had a baby, but this makes a lot of sense because this is definitely... I wrote, I was like, this just feels like Laura's kind of driving around town, around her neighborhood, and just writing a song about all the shit she sees on the regular. Uh, and then when I dug a little bit, I... That's exactly uh, what it's about. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found out that the the White Crosses that she's talking about it was a church that was like around the corner right. from the house. So, uh, I had... I originally had it in the quotes, but... Uh, I don't think I'm going to use the full quote. She talked about this in every single interview she did uh, around this time. Basically what happened is she moved the family back to St. Augustine, Florida, and across the street from her house was a church that had 4,000 white crosses uh, in the churchyard. Deranged. And uh, they, it was called the Cemetery of the Innocent And it was a monument for abortion in America. And uh, what she says here uh, that I thought was really funny uh, in this particular, in one particular interview, she says, I thought it was such a fucking eyesore to have to see. And daily I had to restrain myself from going across the street and just fucking stomping every one of those crosses into the ground. Well, I didn't do that. I wrote a song. <laughs> that's the story behind the song. And that's how the album got its title. Yeah, because it's it's a cross for every aborted pregnancy in the US every, per day, right? right. Like it's yes. four thousand a day or something. Yes, something which I don't like. know. I don't know if that number is accurate or I doubt it. I doubt very, very much. I will be corrected, <laughs> but I doubt very, very much that that's an accurate number. But uh I just yeah, that is uh that sounds horrific. That's fucking uh, deranged. Yes. That's deranged. That, that, <laughs> the amount of effort that you have to put to make that sort of weirdo point, like you you, yes. you don't really belong in a society anymore. You should just be floated out in the space. I like this because it's a uh, it's it's a very political song, but it's not forced or, or preachy. Yeah, it's subtle. She's not- but she's also like, it's clever. That's, <laughs> right, that's the, yeah. I think that's what you're looking she for. Hates- it's not. She paints a very clear picture, even if you don't know what the song is directly about. Like right. you get a good mental image of, of what's going on. You have an idea of what she's talking about, even if you don't know for a fact. Well, you okay, so but you you also can enjoy the song without knowing what she's talking Absolutely, about. Absolutely. That's yeah. why it works on layers. It's like yeah. you just enjoy the song for the song, and then once you find that out, you're like, Oh, okay, there's a different there's there's a layer to this. Yeah. Uh but I thought this again was another good high energy opener. That's one of the things they're really good at. What do you think about this as the opener for the album? I liked it. There's nothing wrong with it. It set the tone. You know, it set like Laura's just puttering around her neighborhood, um, you know, writing about what she sees. There's not, right. she's, this is not, this is not going to be an album that's going to change the world lyrically, right? This is not an album right. that's going to be a call to arm. You know, this is our call to action. This is not going to be an album that's, you know, that, that this, this band has moved a long yeah. way from where they started. It's more of a slice of life thing. She talks about really being influenced by Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty around this time. Right. It shows. And, and of course, Bob Dylan, as we'll get to later. Uh, uh, those are kind of talks about those kind of being like the sort of major influences on uh, her ideas behind this album. But uh, let's move on to song number two. 
We could probably do an hour on this one alone. I bet. Uh, <laughs> and it is called I Was a Teenage Anarchist. Before we get into anything, I will just say that this was the lead single from the album. Laura was not happy with the choice of song or the mix. She talked about this song in particular, hearing it and just going like, this isn't our song. They've hacked it to bits. Like this is this is not what me and Butch put together. Right. And 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 she talks about being like really disappointed with uh, with the final version of the song that came out. But um, before we get into anything else, just all that as- everything aside, Austin, just as a song, what did you think about this? I so this was the first song that I was like on this album, I was like, this is an anthemic song, right? Right. Yeah. This is a song that you sing and everybody sings along. And this is not their first song that's like that. I think they've been doing this since the very get-go. This just sounds bigger. And it's probably because it's a bigger, slicker production. Right. I didn't like this song the first time I listened to it. Okay. I thought I thought it was a little obvious. And I thought it was, I don't know, it just felt a little silly. But the more I listened to it, I kind of came around on it and I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. And I, and actually I think I listening to the lyrics a little bit more closely, I was like, Oh, I can see exactly what she's talking about. Right. And she's right. Because, right. you know, I think most <laughs> she's, and we'll get into the, the reason I think she's the right. title itself. And this is something Laura does not all the time, but quite often is meant to be inflammatory. Right and 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 uh, but the actual song itself, but it's, it's like it's not a denouncement of no, the anarchist it, movement or that political belief system it's, in it's, any way at all. Uh, most people who were upset about it just did not pay any attention to the yes, song. Yes, because uh, it is. It's meant to be. It's it's only in. It's only eye raising or eyebrow raising to reactionists right like here's the name of the t- the name of the song is i was a teenage anarchist and and technically she's not saying that she's not still an anarchist she's just saying when i was a teenager i was an anarchist right, right? and then if you actually listen to the song i this this annoys me and i've we've talked about this before when you have a scene or a movement right. or a group and they fucking put this structure you know they they yes. they build this this these boundaries they and and it and if you don't don't operate the way that the group wants you to operate. You're out. Yeah, and a lot of people uh, just get into political movements as as a way to, uh, you know, bully people and uh, feel self-important. And I think that's what the song is about. But Austin, it was fine when this song came out. It's a very normal response. Nobody overreacted. Nobody got upset. <laughs> I don't uh, believe it was, you. It was just, it was just <laughs> fine. People heard this and they thought, "Oh, wow, that's cool. That's that's uh, neat." Yeah, so, no. uh, she talked about when they would perform this, uh, there would almost always be fans that would flip off the band for the entire duration of the song, or hang some kind of banner. Uh, Indicating that they have heaven, heaven let forbid. them down. 
<laughs> oh my God. Heaven forbid that you should ever be criticized from someone that is in your same group. Right. Like right, sure. I, it's just the, but it's like this fucking thin skinned, stupid. Th- it's the same thing with the punk rock shit. When people were calling them out for selling out, go fuck off, you know, we'll make a record and then you can talk. <laughs> I was like, it, it's, and, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. It's just very easy to say like, well, these are the things that I believe and I'm firm in yeah. my beliefs. But what is what are you really doing to further this cause? And uh, no, I think I think that's what truly upsets people is when you sort of shine a mirror on them. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I mean, and this it's also gets into a debate we've had not on the podcast, but debate we've had in the past, where I think that I think that there is a danger in labels and that's why we talked about genres and i was like all these stupid fucking genres and people are like i only listen to this kind of music and this is not this music but this is and it's like it's too much gatekeeping going on i I it drives me crazy it's like just you know believe what you want to believe and align yourself with people that are similar and express yourself without fear of people going well they're not one of us you know we're we're, we're they're not right. part of this movement and it's like you're, everybody's different you know everybody's gonna have a different take i don't know that it, well I, that's like, exactly what song is i mean you nailed it right that, that's way you put it way better than i ever could but that's it i mean i liked this song at the time but now being in my 30s 12 years later i appreciate it so much more yeah, absolutely. I'm glad I- <laughs> because that, you know, Laura's around the same age that I am uh, at this time. And so it's like, yeah, it's like, I get it now. I, I didn't, I mean, I liked it then. I never, I did. But uh, one final thing we'll talk about with this song was a friend of the show, Dalton, texted me a couple weeks ago when uh, he found out this was the album that we we're going to talk about. And he said to me, what do you think about the rise against song that is a response to this song and i said i don't know what you're talking about and he said oh <laughs> let me show you something <laughs> it's very um it's very clearly a direct response to this <laughs> it right. really It really bothered me, okay, because, all right, if you, you know, if you're like an obscure folk punk band or whatever, and you want to make a song about how against me or a bunch of sellouts and frauds or whatever, have at it. You know what I mean? You've earned that right, because I'm always okay with punching up. I don't care who it is. You know what I mean? Like, if if you want to be in your obscure little band and make a song about how these guys are all a bunch of phonies and frauds, fucking knock yourself out. You know what I mean? If you're fucking rise against and you fucking got more money than these guys, you're in a bigger band than these guys, which, by the way, they're just a fucking cheap knockoff of against me. Like, these guys totally fucking changed their style to make Tell it me more- what you really feel, Dwayne. Get it going. Come on, Dude, man. Rise Against is a band that I have just never fucking liked. Like, even I did not know about this song before. I just, it's like, they just, all their songs sound exactly the same. It just feels so phony and forced and like, they just like changed their whole thing up to be like more radio friendly and like 
dude, I know against me did the same thing, right? You could that's what people are gonna say. Well, Laura signed to a major label, and, and you just said she wanted this album to be a big hit and everything. It's like, yes, but you listen to this album, it's in her voice. Yeah, she didn't compromise who she was at her core. She changed the kind of music that they're playing, but that's it. You know what I mean? These guys have just made the same fucking song for like <laughs> the last 10 years. And it's like, and then you're going to fucking come out and like criticize Laura for like not uh, just it really, really, it really bothered me off. Yeah. Well, I, I, I also think that there's something to, I, I think that there's something to the age aspect of it. And that's not to say that if old- this fucking guy was out in the goddamn streets, like fucking marching and, and, Tell fuck, and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if he's out there doing like grassroots political movements and shit. Okay, fine. But he's fucking like, you know what he's they're, doing? They're a corporate you, rock band. Who yeah. Plays you know what, fucking arenas. No, you want to, you want to know like, what they were doing? They were convincing vans to release a vegan friendly shoe. Right. Without leather. Yeah. Like, they're making fucking deals with corporations and shit. So it's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? You're not like, Oh, I listened to this about five times because the first time I was like you, I just like I read the lyrics and everything, but I was like, okay, you know, the more I listened to it and really paid attention to what he was saying, I was like, I cannot believe this fucking guy. The balls. The the fucking (laughs) like, are you fucking because he's basically just saying that like. Oh, Laura, like, is it part of the movement anymore? And she's just given up all her beliefs. And of course, he doesn't fucking mention anybody's name. Right. He doesn't have the, the only way you would know it's about against me is he just rips off, rips off the lyrics from this song and, and turns them around on her. And it's like a real clever buddy. That's like fucking what Fred Durst did to uh, fucking Nine Inch Nails. So great job there. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, Thank you, Dalton, so much for sending me this. We actually had an argument about it because he actually likes this, and, uh, and uh, that's, <laughs> that's why I am not surprised by that why, at that's all. That's why he wanted me to hear it. But I, I will, I will also <laughs> say I'm going to add to my um, tropes. I don't really like in music. I don't like when people write songs in reaction to other songs. <laughs> that's that's up there for me now, uh, and it has been since like. Leonard Skinner and Neil Young were going at it and it's just feels very dumb. I don't know. I know it's a bigger thing in hip hop with like diss tracks and yeah, those guys are but, good at it though. Like that's, but like that's part of that culture. I and that then that that genre that's a that's a big you know staple in there. I don't think it has any place in punk rock when you're singing them. It's like, come on. Not if you're a fucking millionaire. Like that's true. But I also think like you like like we said at the beginning too, like Laura has a child now, right? And yeah. she's 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 supporting a family and she's growing up. Now that's not I'm not saying that that's an excuse to abandon what your beliefs are and I don't believe that she did. You know, I'm not yeah. this is not an I'm not an anarchist anymore. This is like you fucking gatekeepers that are, you know, taking that's each other so, apart. That's what annoyed me so much about the song. It's like you dumb. It's the point. You're yeah, doing you the whole the thing that she was talking about. Dude. Exactly. <laughs> like Oh, God. So, yeah, really? 
never thought that I would talk about Rise Against in any uh, in any forum, but uh, glad I got to because this is a band that has been getting on my nerves since I <laughs> since about two thousand seven, and I just I just I I I, I just. Maybe they're lovely people. I don't. I don't know. I've probably never not. met them. Probably I hate. Not. I hate to come on here and, and shit on anybody because I just. I I worry I'm about gonna, people I, hearing it. But you uh, want me to? Okay, so two rise against. But, but let me finish. Rise against fucking sucks, and uh, I just don't like them at all. And I think they're. I think they're very disingenuous. And I think that 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 song in particular is just a really shameful uh, thing to do, and feels really fucking phony. So uh, I I appreciate you getting fired up, and thank you, Dalton, for getting Dwayne fired up because it's my favorite version of Dwayne. And number two, <laughs> thank you, Dalton. You talk- I I really am genuinely happy that he sent me that because I did. Yeah, I am too. This is a good moment. All right, let, let's move on uh, to song number three. This is another one I really want to talk about. Yeah, because of the shame. Great song, just fucking song. fantastic song. Now. Did you cheat for this one? Do you know the backstory about this? I know a little bit of it because it's on the lyrics website that I was looking at genius.com cheap okay. plug. I don't need my fucking plug, but um, they have like a little, they have annotations for some songs. I use that so, to make notes on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I did see the story about like Laura's friend, uh, Cece and dying. And that was what apparently this, well, story, this was about. So Cece was someone that Laura worked with in a bar very early on and we talked about um all the way back on the as the eternal cowboy episode about laura's first divorce uh being the result of an affair and cc was the person that um she had had the affair with okay uh and so they were very close for a short amount of time and then people just sort of fade out of each other's lives yeah, burn, uh, burn brightly but quickly. So what happened with Cece is her boyfriend murdered her. <gasps> shot oh, I did not her. know that. Yes, he shot her in the head, uh, and it was a really brutal murder. Um, Laura went to the funeral and spoke to Cece's mom, and the first thing that she asked her was, do you still have the tattoo of my daughter's name? And she said, no. And her mother was crushed by that. And then the second question she asked her was, was the song thrash unreal about Cece? And it was not, but Laura thought that that is what she would want to hear. So she said, yes. And her mother said, that is what Cece thought too. And it completely crushed her and destroyed her. And (laughs) she made Laura promise to make it up to them. Uh, And so this is the song that she wrote uh, as a response to all that. Um, Yeah, really harrowing stuff there. Uh, but I felt like I had to give the full context of the song here. But this is what Laura is so great at. Is she has written an extremely relatable song about something that is very specific to her. You do not need to know any of the backstory about this song to appreciate it. 
uh, like it is very moving uh, yeah. just without any of that <laughs> background info. But when you put all of the pieces together, it's a pretty heartbreaking song. Uh, what well, did you make of this one? Also? I, so I have a question. You said her boyfriend did, but, but in the song, it mentions her husband being at the funeral. Was this like an ex that came back? Or is that not? Literal? Yes, I'm sorry. It was an ex-boyfriend. Okay. All yes. right. Just I'm just trying to clarify it for Mike. Yes. Because I remember yeah. very, very specifically, like she sung that she I remember the mother part, but she also mentions her husband, like Cece's husband. Yes, it was an ex-boyfriend. She was married to someone else at the time. Okay. God, um, that makes it even worse. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Because Laura also said that there was a meeting with the husband. And she just did not know what to say to him. How can you? You can't. Right. There's nothing you can say. Yeah, like that's it. I mean, you uh, can you can you can be put in this situation, and you could say something that you think was silly or really the worst thing to say. Right. But you, there, there's a couple of things. Number one, nobody knows what to say, right? And everybody's going to react differently. And the right. mother, especially the mother, has got a thousand things going on. And so, right. beating yourself up over this. This is after the fact. This has been recorded and released on an album. So I'm not right. giving advice to Laura Jane Grace, but I'm yeah. I'm saying that like it's hard to know what to do in this situation. No one should ever have to deal with it. Right. Yeah, no one should ever put in it. Yeah. But you do, but you know what you can do is you can write a really kick-ass song as a result of it. I mean, this song, I just can't tell you how much I relate to this one. Yeah. This is how a good song. I very, deeply very good. Song. love this fucking song. It's, it's, it's so good. It is um, so good. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, really, really heartbreaking uh, backstory. You kind um, of knocked the wind out of my sail. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to tell you because I, I don't. Have you ever heard of the band The Hold Steady? Have you ever heard any of their uh, music? Yeah, I'm so they, vaguely aware of them. They, this is very much Hold Steady vibes. But I can promise you right now that Hold Steady does not. I'm a big fan of theirs, yeah. and they don't talk about anything nearly as deep as this song. And woof, I don't think I was ready. <laughs> yeah, Laura said it really broke her heart because she said, you know, Thrash Unreal was absolutely not about her. But, right. You know, we we talked about before that was Butch's idea. Let's do like a Lou Reed kind of a song, and and it was just like a generic person. But uh, she, <laughs> she said that Cece absolutely thought it was about her, and and that it really weighed on her heavy. Oh. Uh, and and just really crushed her. And Laura was just trying to say the right thing to a grieving mother. Yeah, and uh, and so she felt really, really bad about that. But uh, I'm, it's going to sound like I mean, I will just say honesty, man. That's the way to go. Because if you're going to get in trouble for something that you said, yeah. please say something that's honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, that's a that is a tough spot to be put in oh is this is this song about a junkie about my dead daughter no tough question to answer no win (laughs) situation there's no that is a tough one (laughs) yeah no you're right so uh it's also a little unfair of the mother to ask these questions well i don't think you can judge people who are breathing no i know i totally i agree yeah like she's she's in a place but yeah I, I, you know, I, I, I think probably um, to whatever degree Laura is a celebrity no, and then she true. has touched these people's lives, they want to feel like 
that they was touched the, her life right as well. yes yeah. absolutely that's sort of the thing laura talks about in the song it's like we weren't super close right after a while we just kind of drifted apart so i'm not even sure like what i'm supposed to, to do here yeah but you know what to her to cc's mother She's like, oh, they both had their names tattooed on each other, right? right? Yeah. Like, and into because Laura also says she did not get rid of her tattoo, like she still had that, right? And but I mean, to a mom, that's a permanent thing. That's forever. This person means something right. to you, right? Yeah. But like to someone who's into tattoos, it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. And if you have tattoos, you're gonna get some shitty ones. I mean, right. you just get stupid <laughs> random ones. Jesus. Sure. The next one I'm getting is a fucking possum. Like it's okay. you know, it's like you just get weird tattoos <laughs> that make you laugh, and it doesn't matter if anybody else. But my mom would go, Why do you have that tattoo? What does that mean? And I always joke with my tattoo person um who who does mine. I'm just like, I can't stand it when people are like, Well, I got this because it represents this. Nah, fuck it. I just got it because I wanted it and I thought it looked funny or cool or whatever, and I just did it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on because uh as much as I'd love to talk about these past two songs. We over still have a lot again. of songs. To yeah, we to. do. Let's go. Let's move on to song number four, which is Suffocation. This was another one that uh, you look back on in retrospect, and it makes a lot more sense in context, knowing that Laura is trans and, uh, you know, just yep. sort of talking about the general feeling of emptiness uh, she felt about her life at the time. And, uh, but I think overall, this is one of the weaker songs in the album. This is a weird one. This is a weird one. This is a weird one musically because it opens like with that uh, tremolo sound, that weird, like trippy. It sounds like the Smiths, How Soon Is Now? Like somebody, either (laughs) either Butch or somebody, whoever remixed this was definitely like really big on like late 80s, early 90s Brit you know post-punk music because they're this this is not the only one i mean Um, i feel like for laura and butch that is right in their wheelhouse you know what i mean both of them would have been really into that kind of thing yeah it but it's like it hits you over the head in a way that i was like (laughs) i've never heard this fucking sound in a and against me um it's definitely different yeah i Um, actually went because i paused it and i was like let me go listen to the how soon is now because I just want to make sure that I'm not on, you know, like I'm not way out where I shouldn't be. And I was like, yeah, this is it. Yeah. So I uh, don't really have a ton to say about this one. Um, I, I did not, I'll go ahead and say now, I did not dislike any song on the, on the core album, but uh, this is one of my least favorites. Uh, but I think it's pretty good. I, I I think it's got some strong lyrics, but like you said, musically, it, it's a little too all over the place to, uh, yeah, to work for me. It's it's uh, wearing its influences a little too on the sleeve, you know. Like it's a little too right. Uh, like, yeah, it so. almost feels like a lift. Like a, it's not an inspiration; it's a lift. Right. All right. Let's move on to song number five, which is "We're Breaking Up." Now, I do not have official confirmation on this. But I am pretty sure that this song is about Warren and the split between Warren and the band. I think if you if you read the lyrics, it, oh, it definitely feels like that is um, what the song is about. What, what do you think about this one? Before I say what I thought about it, um, 
I I didn't like the title. I thought it was a little too literal. It's like we're breaking up, and I was like, oh, it's a breakup yeah. song. But when I listened to it, I some of the lyrics were pretty strong. They they definitely resonated. Where it was like we used to like all the same bands, we had the same friends, but we don't have anything in common anymore. And I was like, well, those yeah, and that things. and that is definitely the kind of what makes me think it's more about Warren than um, necessarily a romantic relationship, right? Um, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty confident in saying that that is what the song is about, at least in some part. You know what I mean? Songs are not necessarily always about one thing. Uh, oh, yeah, but I definitely absolutely. Think like, I definitely think like her feelings about Warren at time are uh, in here. Yeah. Even if it's not what it's directly about. But as far as the song itself, I, I really wasn't crazy about this movie. I kind of felt like it just went on too long. Yeah, I, I did. And I, yeah, it, yeah, I, I yeah. do. I agree. I agree. But yeah, not, not a ton to say about this movie, but uh, again, I like it. Not one of my favorites. Let's move on to song number six, which is high pressure low. And this is one that's really interesting. Uh, it's it grew one, on me grew on me the more that I listened to it. It's a bit sort of frantic and all over the place, but I think that's like intentional. Like, I think it's meant to not necessarily be like a completely coherent song. It's it's more about a general uh, feeling right? than uh, necessarily about one specific thing. Uh, what did you think about it? No, I, so this is the second song that I was like, this has got that like 80s, 90s, it's like the 90s, the band called The Wedding Present. It was as a British pop band. It's kind of got that jangly guitar sound going on. I was like, yeah, there, here it is again. This is it now twice in the same album, (laughs) Um, which I thought was, it was interesting. I just, it kind of brought me to a different place. Back to politics, you know, is what I was kind of thought. This is definitely a political song. It's not subtle. You know, it's no. not it, there. It's very like in your face, and it's sort of like it, it's also Laura, something that's very much about like the specific moment in time that she's right. in. Yeah, like Laura reports on the state of the world as she right. sees it currently. Yeah, you know, like um, <laughs> outside of Laura, this is what's happening outside of Laura. And, we'll, and once again, name checking like very specific political figures, you know, Robert McNamara. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, now. I will. I will admit that I had to look up who that was. Oh. Uh, he was the, I, sec- I, he was the secretary of defense, uh, okay. and that was one of the main people involved in the uh, in Vietnam, in U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War. And then he later would write a book where he said, "Hey, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Yeah, we, we we fucked up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it came out about the time of this album, so I'm not I'm not surprised that that was okay. The, the I'm book not, I'm was not really sure on that one, but uh, the yeah. coolest thing about Robert McNamara because there's not very much that's cool about him is that his middle name is strange. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is interesting. That's I, it. I, I I would I would almost bet that that is like a big part of why she picked him specifically to mention because it, because it just sounds like an interesting name to sing. He's you know also, I mean, I, mean I, I think if, I mean, knowing her politics from her music, 
this guy is a fucking war criminal and should well, have been yeah. tried and yeah. you know, probably put in a hole for the rest of his life. Yeah. And instead he's able to do this. I'm sure. And I don't really remember this, but I'm sure it was a redemption tour. He was probably on the Today show and they were like, that's, oh. one of the f- <laughs> that's one of the fucking things. And I don't want to get too far off on a tangent because this is going to be a long episode anyway, but that's one of the things that pissed me off so much about the, about the fallout of the Trump presidency was all these fucking assholes like writing a writing a book after the fact and going like, "Hey, you wouldn't believe how bad this guy was." It's like, thanks, buddy. Super yeah. helpful. Yeah, glad you're yep. getting a fucking book deal out of this. You fucking glad you piece of glad shit. you got paid being part of the administration <laughs> one. Yeah, and you got yeah. a job as a result of leaving the administration, and now you got a big advance on a book deal. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Great, great, great. Show. Awesome. Winning. But, uh, I really, I, re- <laughs> I really like this song a lot. Uh, but let's move on, Austin, to song number seven. Ache with me. This has got to be the slowest against me song. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I wasn't really into this one. I, okay, I, I have to say I like this one quite a bit. Okay. Uh, I, 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 just I, think said, the, I think. Go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I just said it was fine. I think it's a little bit of a throwaway song. I said the, the lyrics. I don't just, disagree with that. Yeah, I think that the lyrics were a little like sad, maybe bordering on a little emo, like, you know, that I just didn't. It wasn't. I, I don't know. I think it's because we've had such bangers on this album, like these big anthematic, you know, songs. Mm-hmm. And I know they can't all be like that, but like sometimes you, you kind of take a turn and you're like, eh, that's not the vibe I was like. I, I had a I had a level that I was on and then you brought me down. And I'd rather be on that level that I was on before, you know, that makes sense. Um, Probably not. <laughs> no, I think, I think that works good. I think that sounds right. You know, musically. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not the, uh, the strongest song on the album. I think, I, I think the lyrics are, are really strong here. The more that you listen to it, the lyric that I always really love, I think this really sums up what she's trying to get across on the album ideals turn to resentment open minds close up with cynicism and uh yeah i think that's really at the core of what she is trying to get across uh in this album so uh we won't dwell on this one too long but finally one that we uh that we disagree on because we've been pretty uh pretty in line with each other this time that's not always the case but, no 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 yeah. Yeah, but I, I I like this one quite a bit, but it's also uh, it's also like it's not one of my go-to songs or anything. You know what I mean? No. Right. But uh, let's move on to song number eight, Spanish Moss. I think this one is about two things that are happening in Laura's life. Uh, oh, first is that she is moving back to Florida after uh, having lived in Los Angeles for. Our, a while and the other thing the other thing is that she is really coming to grips with being trans uh at this time and and one of the things that she talks about is um late at night in the hotels just doing little things like going out to get a soda as laura going out to the van to get something out or something as laura just made her feel so alive and realizing that as much as I am trying to fight this, 
I am sooner or later going to have to succumb to the fact that this is who I am. And I'm just going to have to accept the fallout of that. But I really think this is a really cool and interesting song. And the more, and it's another one that grows on you the more that you, uh, you listen to it. But what did you think about this? One? Oh, I loved it. I loved it the first go around. I heard it. I yeah, immediately I, yeah, was like, this is a great song. This was a yeah. great song. Um, I, I, you know, I think you're right. I think that there's the, the one of the lyrics is, um, it could be a good life. It could be such a very good life. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah I mean, this is this, you don't even have to draw a dotted line. I think you can draw a direct line, you know, like some of those <laughs> early albums we, we saw things yeah. that we were like, this is leading to Laura transitioning, right? This is clearly right. a struggle that's underneath all of these lyrics. But I think that sometimes that's that uh, not sometimes it's always the benefit of hindsight, but I think this is very much a direct, right. like this is someone who's struggling with this and writing about it. And it's not a guessing game. Like it's, it's there. It's right on the surface. She would come. If I remember correctly, I don't have the timeline uh, quite figured out. We'll talk about it more in future episodes, but it's about a year and a half after this album comes out that she comes out. Um, so, it's, it's it's definitely something that's weighing heavily on her uh and then like you said it, it's more open in the lyrics of this album than ever before um but this is a this is also a song that's it does have a lot of meaning and there's a lot of hurt underneath it but then yeah. you write a song that if you're not paying attention to you're just like this is just a fun fucking song you know and right there's that i think that's i think go ahead Oh, I just think that that is one of the the things that Laura does really well is to slip this, this deeper meaning into otherwise, you know, sing songy punk, just like fun songs. Right. And I think that's a really neat, I think it's a, it's a neat trick. It's a really profound ability to have as a songwriter. And I think that sometimes I, I grade her, on a more harsh curve because I know she's capable of it, but she doesn't yeah. always do it. Right. Sometimes the, the songs are just a little bit too obvious. And I'm like, you're so much more clever than that. But at the right. same time, who am I to tell her how to write a song? Right. <laughs> well, that's what we're here to do. But, uh, but, you know, I think in all sincerity though, the thing that I've always appreciated about against me and, uh, why I think they're better than a lot of other punk bands is, is that there's uh, more to the songs than what's on the surface level. Yeah. With, with, uh, and, and, and Laura is also someone who, 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 um, who writes very directly and, and she's not trying to like um, obscure what she's trying to say or anything. Like she's very straightforward in her songs, but she uh, is just such a talented writer that there's so much depth into her lyrics uh, in the, in her truly great songs, like you were saying, they're not all bangers. They can't all be, because uh, this is something I think about too a lot is um, how hard it must be to write one great song. Right. Like the, the odds that you would have it in you to come up with one song. That's really good. Yeah. Like, wow. That's incredible. You know what I mean? That's that, like, cause, cause there's a lot of, and especially in like the punk, world and stuff like there's a lot of bands that just had one album in them you know what i mean yep. but god damn it that album was good yeah they put you know what I mean? everything into that album right yeah and it's like god damn 
how fucking hard is it to make seven albums? You know what I mean? Of how hard is it to write? All, seven not books. all going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's. But it's I think reason- I think on this album, like, there's a lot more hits than there are misses. I agree. Uh, if if we're just talking about the lyrical content and the um, and the quality of the songs, uh, you can argue about the production. Uh, you know, and we have, but uh, let's move on to song number nine, which is Rapid Decompression. This is this is a very funny song because it's musically the most traditional against me song, but it's also like, hey, fuck you, we're not gonna be doing this shit anymore, and you gotta just get over it. You know, <laughs> it's it's definitely a denouncement of the of the critics and uh, the people who were uh, constantly shouting sell out at them but uh but it's also like a very straight ahead punk song it's very quick and to the point uh really really like this one a lot what do you think yeah no i i really liked it this is one of my my top three songs on this album yeah i um, agree with that yeah it, it it's it it what i did hear in it and i don't know maybe this is just me hearing too much into it it very it very it was a little theatrical this song and maybe that's the production but i was like this is this i could see is like a this is the version of against me the musical like this is a song that would be in there and that's not as a slight it's just a different it just it it hit me different it is an extremely clean and polished song right yeah uh, and and the vocals are very like sing song. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that's a good uh, point that I never thought about before. You you always tend to look at uh, stuff from a different angle than, than I do. Well, that's why this works. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't have a lot a lot to say about this song because I think it pretty much speaks for itself and it's very short. But it's an excellent song. It's not going to be my pick for best song, but it is one of the ones that I went back and forth on choosing. Um, yeah, really great stuff. All right, the final song of the core album, song number ten, <laughs> is "Bamboo Bones." Uh, this is another one of my favorites on the album. Uh, just totally different from any song they've ever done, but uh, really, really strong. What do you think about this one? I really liked it, and and I don't want to spoil what's coming next, but I really we've talked about this in the past episodes about, I think the, you know, the, the, for me anyway, the importance of nailing the first song and the last song. Right. And this, this was the song to close out the album. Oh, absolutely. Now, I realized that it did kind of, and there were four bonus tracks after, yeah. but it really kind of, I don't know. It, it. I also think that it's been lost to time because like, if you just are like you and just getting into that, into them now, I had to explain that to you. Like, right. It's not labeled as such on uh, your streaming services. And also, like, the only version of the album that was the core 10 songs were the actual physical CD and vinyl copies. Any digital version would have had the four bonus tracks on there. Right. So, and, um, I mean, it, you know, and, and my... Yeah, I, I really wish... Uh, this was it <laughs> that this could just stand on its own as the end of the album because it is such a perfect closer but it also, you really don't need anything else after this like they really wrapped right. it up and i think i've said this i, I definitely have said this before 
the last songs typically for against me have always been like a pre they've like foreshadowed the next body sure. of work. Yeah. And you're going to tell me a lyric, like what God doesn't give to you, you've got to go and get for yourself. Isn't the foreshadowing to Laura transitioning. You're right. Your yeah. Fucking mind. If that's not <laughs> at least a part of the equation. And I, you know, you can say I'm seeing too much into it, but I don't think so. I think. No, no, no. I, my, saw, I saw some other comments uh, indicating that sort of same thing. And uh, Laura herself says that just very generally, this is just meant to be an atheist anthem, you know, and I think as that it works very well. But like with anything Laura writes, there is so much of herself tied into it that it's it's a bit deeper than. Uh, and it's a it's a teaser trailer there. for what's next. You know, it really is. And that's sure. that's like, yeah. again, I think that that's something that she is very clever in doing, whether it's even intentional. Sometimes I don't think it is. But like picking a song to be last is like, hey, this is the this is where we're going next on this the next is a, This is a great song for me to, to listen to and just get hyped up. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, it's, it's another one that it's not going to be my pick for best song. I guess I'm spoiling it, but, uh, but God damn, this is a great fucking song. I love yeah, this song I agree. So I agree. All right. Let's move on to these bonus tracks. We are not going to get as in depth because I don't, I didn't write a lot because for a lot of these, there's just not too much to get into. Uh, they are, bonus tracks in the most literal sense um but let's get into the first one austin which is i suppose technically track number 11 lehigh, lehigh acres. acres now this one is very specifically about the housing crash of late 2000s uh and specifically lehigh acres was a neighborhood in southwest florida where a lot of people lost their homes and uh the sort of uh inflation of the real estate got really out of control and you know just a thing that we are still dealing with the aftermath of uh to this day and uh all right i will uh tell a story that is slightly off topic but uh relates to this i don't know if this will stay in the show or not but uh let's see uh so i was in college around this time 2008 2009 when the housing crash was really uh, going on and i remember uh the news you know first started to break on it and being in a class and i don't remember what the class was but i remember um, the professor explaining to us you don't realize how bad this is going to be he's like uh you you this class specifically uh, are going to spend the rest of your lives struggling to find consistent employment. And this is really the end of uh, like what you have been sold college was going to be. Uh, and uh, I don't think you are quite prepared for <laughs> what uh, this is going to mean for your future. And boy, have I never Ooh. seen anybody be more right about anything. Yeah, that's in my insightful. Life. God. It was uh, incredible because I remember thinking at the time, like, ah, um, <clears throat> boy, pretty bleak, which I, I, I mean, I'm a pretty a pessimistic person <laughs> in general, as you know, <laughs> but, uh, but wow, yeah. Pretty much spot on there. Yep. The, yep. Exactly. Because yep. I I just remember the, the him saying like no, and I mean you guys specifically like 
you people, your graduating class, you are the ones that are fucked the most. And it was like, oh, great. That's yeah, good. wonderful. That's just, this is good. Yeah, but he's right. You know, Yo, oh, boy, he was dead on because he was just like, oh, yeah. He's like, you don't understand. This is going to affect the job market. This is going to affect that. And boy, your he, ability he to buy really saw some. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but as far as the song, Austin, uh, I think it's a good but not great song. Yeah, I kind of it, 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 it just doesn't fit on the album. I think it's a it's a good. She's got some good ideas here. There's some solid lyrics, but it just doesn't come together as like a complete package. No, no, I kind of just I glossed over this one to be honest. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Song number 12, uh, Bob Dylan Dream. Uh, well, you know, I have a question for you. Okay. Have you ever dreamed that Bob Dylan was a friend of yours? <laughs> no, no, uh, I haven't. But I was going to ask you this at the end, but we'll, I'll go ahead and ask it to you now before we get into what we think about the song. Uh, is there any musician that you would want to live in your home with no. you no. and your partner. <laughs> no, no, I'm yeah, not a single one. No, I don't even have to no. think about it. I mean, no. I, 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 and I don't say this to like, um, I don't know if this sounds like bragging or anything, but I, I, I think I love music more than most people that I know. Yeah, probably more uh, than me, to be honest. No, and maybe not more than like, they're obviously like very hardcore music heads and, and stuff. And, and I wouldn't put that myself in that category but i mean i music's very important i mean i listen to a lot of it and uh some more obscure stuff and stuff like that but i just i just can't think of any one from a band that i i would want to to live with me uh <laughs> and sleep in the same bed as me no. wife i don't have a wife but if i did have a wife i, I think i'd want to keep no, it there's, me there's her nobody <laughs> <laughs> like uh usually usually when i have like um a girlfriend i will the dog has to you know he can't sleep in the bed anymore <laughs> he has to go <laughs> there's a lot of room for so many up here buddy. i i, I would i you know i like i've listened to it a couple of times this song and i'm like is she being cheeky you know but i, I, I mean i think a little bit yeah. yeah yeah it was i mean i don't think it's meant as like a sincere thing but uh, i i do have a great quote about this song and uh We'll get to more quotes at the end, but uh, this is one that I think fit perfectly here because I, I don't have a ton to say about this song. Uh, not not really uh, one of my favorites, but uh, this is an uh, interview from a website called The Aquarian, and Celia Martinez was the interviewer here, and uh, she asked Laura if she thinks Bob Dylan would be a fan of this song. And Laura says, I mean... I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. I love Dylan, but I don't think he'd like our record. No, I, I have a feeling he doesn't like many contemporary bands. Okay. So I'm guessing he would probably think our record is shit. He's <laughs> right. I think he's probably oh, on the something. Aware enough uh, to uh, to get that, but I, I do think like I'm not an artist. 
You know what I mean? This is more of like an art song of like, oh, I wish me and this guy were buddies and we didn't have to talk about music bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, I just I just don't think musicians are the kind of people you want as a roommate. No disrespect to anybody, but uh, yeah. I just can't imagine living with, uh, you know, any uh, one from a band. No. no. <laughs> I mean, I, I've lived with people who were in bands before, but not a successful band. Yeah, like, not yeah, and not like this, not in this sort of capacity. And, and even then, it got to be a little much at times. Sleeping arrangements are very different in this arrangement situation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just, and I also just can't imagine Bob Dylan being like a good house guest. I think he is he doing his own laundry. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I feel is like he washing the dishes. I also just like get the impression that he's probably a smelly old man. Oh yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. yeah, that guy ain't showering every day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Let's let's move on to uh, song number thirteen, which is one by one. I really don't have. I don't either. I have nothing. I have nothing at all. Song. <laughs> uh, really don't have a lot of strong feelings. It's, it's fine. It's it's sort of expanding more on the ideas. Of uh, I was a teenage anarchist, but that song just does it way better. And yeah, uh, yeah I I yep. just really this song feels like the most just tacked on thing here. Yeah, uh, okay. not not super into this one. So we'll just move on very quickly to the last song, Austin. We made it to song number fourteen, which is bitter divisions. I feel like this is the best of the bonus track. I 100% thought the same thing. I was yeah. like, if you were going to move any of the bonus tracks to the actual album, this would have been the one. Yeah. And, and this is sort of a song about the feeling, uh, which has the feeling that there are just sort of two political realities. And uh, that's something that is uh, even more relevant now than it was years ago. Yeah. Uh, the lyric that always stood out to me here is she says, with our enemies decided and our battlefield celebrated, we walk with faith, not sight. Right. And that really, really uh, nails it there. Um, yep. I agree. Yeah. Right. I mean, th- this is a song that is very uh, straightforward and, and not subtle in any way, but, uh, but I really like it. I think it's, yeah, I do I too. I, I dug it. I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, like you said, this is the one song that uh, just felt like it warranted being here. But uh, yeah. All right, Austin, before we get into the quotes and our best and worst, is there anything else, just sort of general feelings you want to get across about any of the songs on this album? I'm not sure. You know, there was a couple of things that I left out. Um. But I and I just want to point out really quick because we were talking about that song Suffocation. Yeah. There is in the, the chorus, there is a musical, and I yeah. fucking loved it. I it was okay. so cheesy right. and stupid, but I loved it. Like it was like because they go suffocation, and I just <laughs> don't know why that's been stuck in my head for a couple of days now. Yeah. Just that part where suffocation I can't. I don't. Stop. I don't know if. I don't know if we'll leave this in the show. There, I. I love finding little things like that in some. That's, just that's the one. That's for whatever reason. There's um. There's a great moment in the Warriors cover of Roller Coaster, where just at one point in the song, uh, they just go, uh, 
Yeah. And it is like one of the most like satisfying noises. Silly stuff I've like ever that. Heard. I love it. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. all I got. That's all I got about this album. That's I've given everything but, I have. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I just want to say, like I, <laughs> I just want to say, like, to close it out that I I I really, really like this album a lot before we did this show, and I really like it even more uh after reading more about what the songs were about and uh, getting some background info and also just being at a different place in my life than I was 12 years ago. I just, I just want to say Dalton is wrong. And I always like saying that. So I'm saying it now. Well, listen, we all love Dalton, but uh, he's not my go-to music guy. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> oh, he's having an aneurysm. In now. <laughs> we love you, Dalton. Uh, let's move on, Austin, to the quotes. Let's do it. I had a ton of quotes. There were so many interviews that I finally just had to stop myself. And uh, I don't know if I'll read all of them. I don't know if we will keep all of them in the show, but uh, I'm going to go through them here and just read, read them off. The first quote uh, is from Laura's book. A lot of the information in this episode and every episode is from Laura's book, uh, but I only got one direct quote that I really liked uh, in this section of the book. And what she says here is, this sounds like shit. That's what Tom Whaley, head of Warner, said upon first listen of the new album. Told me right to my face. Jeez. <laughs> So that's the kind of relationship they had with the uh, the label at the time that the guy just felt comfortable going like, yeah, this sucks, buddy. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm telling you, it's like you have that first album, it doesn't perform, then they feel like they can treat you however they want because they got to right. make their money back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Austin. The next quote is from Consequence.net in an interview by Chris Copeland. And he's asking Laura about... Um, I was a teenage anarchist, and what she says here is, I'm no longer a teenager, I'm a grown-up. When I think back to my past, I was a teenage anarchist, and my experiences in the anarcho-punk scene were that the people saying the loudest that they were the most open-minded people were, in fact, the most closed-minded people. Yep. Also, <laughs> your politics change as you get older, yeah. you know? and. Uh, Austin, the next quote is from that Aquarian interview that I mentioned. Celia asked Laura what she hopes people come away with from the album. And she says, a feeling of connection, a feeling like they can relate to even just one song. For me, I guess, I feel like the great thing about music is it makes you feel like you're not alone. Whether it's playing music or listening to music, I know when a song strikes me, it makes a connection. It makes me feel like I'm not alone and that someone is out there in the world who understands. I only hope our music does the same for people. It's a good quote. Yeah. It's, it's a good quote. And it's, it's, it's something that music does that I don't think any other form of art does the same way. Maybe movies a little bit, but not as much, you know, it's like you and I could go see a painting and it just doesn't resonate the same way that it does the first time you hear a piece of music that just like clicks with you. Right. Like this could be the most beautiful painting in the world and it's just stunning and it captures your attention. You think this is the greatest thing you've ever seen, but it doesn't carry with you the same way music does. 
Right. Right. And I think that Laura is hitting on something with like the community, right? You're not the only one listening to this song. There's a lot of people listening to the song and having their own experience. And I think it also just speaks to the core of who Laura is. Right. With all the things going on around her and everything that she is striving to do with this album, the most important thing is just. God, I hope somebody likes this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I do, Laura. I do. You've you've been successful. I like this. Well, and I can say without a without question against me has definitely made me feel like I was not alone in the world many times. That's so, important. Uh, that's, that's she got here. she did it. All right, let's move on. The final quote, Austin, is from Spin magazine, and it was with Peter Gaston. And uh, here she is talking about working with Butch Vig, because that is going to come to an end here. Uh, This is the last time that she would work with him. But she says, the most positive thing to come out of our decision to work with Sire slash Warner was the relationship we formed with Butch. For me, that's the closest I'll ever get to going to college. I got such an education from working with him and felt so fortunate because it's fucking knowledge that I'll use for the rest. It was such an overwhelmingly positive and fun experience making these records. I feel that overweighs any minor bad thing that happened along the way. Yes. So, uh, uh, her and Butch really seem to enjoy working together. And I, I really wish we could have heard uh, the version of the album that they they produced. They produced. Because I, yeah. I mean, I don't think it would have been super different, but I think would have given you more of that raw uh, against me feeling that like you said is is not really well you know that it had fat records gotten a hold of it they would have released the shit out of that <laughs> yeah yeah they would have dug up those uh, <laughs> we're gonna find this go dumpster diving but... find the masters let's go <laughs> <laughs> all right austin just a couple more things we have to do before we go but the first thing we got to do is talk about our best and worst songs. I'm going to let you go first with best or this, worst. With what did you think was the worst song on uh, this album? <laughs> Bob Dylan Dream, without a without okay. a doubt. But if I had to pick from the main album, and I did both because I the primary album, I just ache with me wasn't my thing. Okay. All right. I um I went back and forth between one by one and Bob Dylan Dreams. Yeah. Uh I think ultimately I'm gonna go with one by one. Cause I think at least Bob Dylan Dream, like there, there's yeah, there's some comedy and stuff in there. It's yeah, it's, it's, a silly. it's, de- it's definitely a memorable song, if nothing else. One by one is just like you just forget it immediately. Uh if I had to pick from the album, I'd probably go with We're Breaking Up. Okay. All right. Let's go, Austin. I think we might this, agree on this one. This was one of the toughest picks for me for best song. But what did you pick? I I was on the fence until we talked about it. And I think that that's put me firmly in uh, because of the shame. That's yeah, my, that was my pick song. as well. I knew it. I was like, I think we got the same one again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we went into quite a bit of detail about that. So I'm going to rehash stuff, but I will just say once again, I mean, it, 
just such a well-written and well-constructed song. Yeah. Even without the backstory, it's just so relatable. Uh, but then when you add in this sort of heartbreaking details oh, and you awful. can really see that she poured so much of herself into this song and it must be incredibly difficult to have written this and then have to perform it uh so yeah really really love this song yeah no it's a great song i went my my other the other one that i was kind of back and forth was spanish moss but this this one after we talked about it definitely took yeah. the, the the i really like rapid decompression i really like bamboo bones but uh this is this is it's definitely my favorite well austin Let's talk about next time. All right. Now, knowing you, I know you got to be thinking, man, I wish there was some sort of alternate re-release of this album that existed. Perhaps uh, something instead of white crosses <laughs> called black crosses. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll be pleased to know that, in fact, uh, we are going to be diving back into that. First of all, it is a lot of the same songs from the album. But they are quite different versions. Uh, You've got some acoustic versions. You've got some sort of early versions. You've got quite a few songs that did not make the album. Essentially what happened with Black Crosses is when they parted ways, the label did give the band the rights to the album. Uh, so that they could re-release it. And we will get into this more in a future episode. But basically, out of after getting fired from Sire, Laura decides to just start her own label, and the first release is White Crosses slash Black Crosses. Um, So Black Crosses is a little bit more of a look into... uh, maybe what uh, they wanted the album to sound right. like. What, uh, what White Crosses could have been. Yes, but it, it, it's a different track listing, different songs. Uh, I, I think it's going to be worth talking about it, but this is something that Laura in particular had uh, complete control over and right. wanted out there. This is uh, not just uh, digging up something from the archives to just put out, <laughs> but... Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. But before we go, Austin. Yes. Uh, we forgot to do this uh, <laughs> on a couple episodes. So I wanted to make sure we did not forget this time to do the plugs. Uh, you actually have another podcast that you do. Uh, oh, yeah. On this one. That's a, that people actually listen to. <laughs> <That's what. laughs> uh, I have a, another podcast called If You Catch My Grift, and it is with the uh, aforementioned Dalton is uh, a co-host. Dwayne has appeared on an episode. We got to get him back on for another one. Um, but yeah, it's about con men and grifters and carnies and all these scumbags that are out stealing innocent people's money. Uh, latest episode, by the time this drops, will be an episode about Dr. Oz, America's favorite doctor, actually technically America's doctor. Uh, and he's kind of a scumbag, as you'd imagine. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I'm looking forward to that one. That should be a good one. Yeah, people seem to like it. Uh, the, the The feedback I've gotten has been pretty good. Oh, it's already out. I just missed it. Huh? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> As for me, I don't really have anything to plug. 
Austin quit Twitter. I did. Uh, <laughs> I might be back. And when I'm back, so, I'll be at Griff Daddy. <laughs> so currently, only one of us is on Twitter. I am at Age of the Fever if you want to find me there. Or you can also. Hmm. I was going to say you could message Austin if you want to join the If You Catch My Griff Discord, but you could not do that. Just message uh, Dwayne and then he he'll forward it to me. Yeah, we'll- that'll be great for me. Uh, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to add all these steps in, but no, seriously, if you would like to come talk to us, uh, that'd be great. You can talk to Dalton and Ed and Conrad, who we've mentioned before. Yep. And uh, yeah, Allie Queen Hooker. Yeah, absolutely. All kinds of people in there. Good folks. So we are getting close to to the end of this podcast so uh yeah it's gonna be sad light at the end of the tunnel so if you don't like the show hey guess what it's almost over (laughs) (laughs) just keep listening for a few more episodes (laughs) yeah that that's how i know that the podcast is not as successful as i'd like it to be is that we i don't have people messaging me going i hate this fucking show and you're an idiot and you don't know what you're talking about if if that happened i'd go ah people are really listening well if that's the goal i have two unsuccessful podcasts <laughs> no I, anyone who has ever contacted me about the po- the podcast has been has been very, very nice, nice about it yeah. so I, I really appreciate it but uh we will see you next time